In a book of the Bible, that's our normal uh, procedure, that's our normal um, practice here at Ascension is to preach through books of the Bible, but this month uh, I wanted to preach on uh, a more topical series uh, on some things that I think are fundamental to our life together as a church, things that have been on my heart and mind as your pastor And so, uh, this morning, I want to really just use Joshua uh, 18 as as a starting line, as a starting point um, to jump into some other scriptures, specifically uh, the letters of the Apostle Peter. And all of this, my hope is, will be a prelude to our new year together. And what I mean by new year is our new school year. Many of you kids have begun your school years. We are about to, to crank up our uh, school year, so to speak, with our discipleship hour, with our community group ministry, with other things that are going on. And so uh, that's where I want to go this morning. Those of you who uh, were around this summer know that we worked our way uh, through the entire book of, of Joshua. So it's kind of puzzling that we would return there, or at least that we would start there. But remember, when we went through Joshua, we, we were flying at about 30,000 feet, and uh, we missed a lot of the details, uh, intentionally so, in the book of Joshua. And so just for today, just for a few moments, I want to uh, to land the plane in Joshua in the first few chapters of Joshua 18, and then we'll take off again and move into some other parts of, of, of God's Word. And so, Joshua chapter 18, the first three verses, and if you would, uh, if you're able, if you're willing, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. A brief passage for us, Joshua chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land lay subdued before them. They remained among the people of Israel, seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. And so Joshua said to the people of Israel, How long will you put off going in to take possession of the land, which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Not too long ago, for the first time in what seemed like many, many months, I cleaned out my desk drawer at home. And uh, I don't know if your desk drawer is anything like my desk drawers, um, but when I cleaned out my drawer, it, it was like Christmas morning in my drawer. It was wonderful. In addition to all kinds of, of knickknacks and um, an extra fingernail clipper, like you're always losing those fingernail clippers, and there was one back there, and um, in addition to all kinds of other little knickknacks that, that I found, I found some genuine treasure. There was a Cold Stone gift card with $11.19 left on it. 
there was two, count them, two $40 Taproot Theater gift certificates. I know someone in here gave those to me. Thank you for giving those to us. We're, we're, we're going to use them. And then five, count them, five movie passes. Yeah, three AMC and two Regal movie passes. All this goodness that I remember at some point over the past several months, well, maybe years, I remember receiving with with joy and excitement had gotten stuffed and lost in a drawer where it was accomplishing nothing. And it seemed to me that that reality um, in some small way illustrates the Christian life. Namely, we neglect the riches that we've been given rather than enjoying God through them. You might notice in your bulletin that the the title of today's sermon title is Take Hold. Because today I want to talk about taking hold of the promises of God, about seizing all that God offers us through the gospel, about spiritual diligence and intentionality as opposed to spiritual laziness. You see, that's where I think ultimately Joshua 18 points us, and that's why why I began there this morning, because I know this is a place that my heart needs to be needs to go again and again. It's been several weeks since we've been in the story of Joshua. If we get back into that story, you'll remember that the Lord the Lord had done amazing things for the people of Israel. He had shown them that that he would indeed fight for them, that he will be their God and, and they will be his people. And he has fulfilled his promise to them, a promise of a land, an inheritance, a home of peace, a place of prosperity, a place of God's presence. And so Joshua then is in chapter 18, and, and actually in the, in the chapters preceding, many of which we skipped because it's just chocked full of, of names and places over and over again. But what Joshua is doing is he's dividing the spoils, and, and these families, these clans are, are heading out in every which direction to grab hold of the promises of God. And then we come to verse 1 of chapter 18. And what do we see? Seven tribes are failing to take hold of what God has given them. God has given them this gift, this sprawling land, and they're not doing anything. We don't know all the reasons. Fear, apprehension, laziness, whatever the reason, Joshua says this is not okay. And so in the following verses, Joshua seeks to to rouse them from their laxity and to push them and, and prod them to take hold of what God has given to them. And I wanted to start there this morning because we, the church, can suffer from the same spiritual 
laziness today. Comfortable, content, we fail to take hold of what we've been given and to become who we are. And so there's just one truth that I want us to meditate on for the next few minutes. Just one truth to hang all of our thoughts on. And I've already said it. It's simply this. Take hold of what you've been given. Take hold of what you've been given. Just as Joshua encouraged these tribe, tribes to take hold of what was theirs, I want to encourage us to do the same. And I want to do so with the help of, of the rest of the Scripture, and particularly Peter. Peter's a guy that I can relate to. A guy who often spoke before he thought. A guy who desperately wanted to know Jesus and walk with Jesus and yet stepped all over himself at times. Peter's letters to the church of Jesus are some of some of my favorite in their wonderful encouragements for us. And so you might want to flip to 1 Peter and 2 Peter. That's where we're going to be for the remainder of the time. And first, let me just read the first, uh, some of the first few verses from his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. This is a familiar verse to many of you, I know. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This passage from Peter reminds us that God has caused an amazing thing. God has brought about in His people a new birth. And not only that, but He holds out an inheritance for all those who look to Him in faith. And it's one that is secure through His guarding. Now all that is, all that is wonderful truth. But at times I fear we, we stop there. We stop. And as I heard one pastor say, we are content to clutch our born-again certificates rather than taking hold of all that we've been given. Now there is no doubt, Christian, you who look in faith to the Lord Jesus, there is no doubt that the work of Jesus was accomplished in history, that justification is an act of God whereby we who are in Christ are declared righteous in Him. But our salvation is not merely a past reality, nor is it merely a future event. The fullness of what God has for His children, the inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. God wants you to grow towards that. He wants you to prepare for that. And He's not going to leave you alone in that. He's going to build His church to that end. And so in this sense, we would say that our salvation is more of a journey than merely an arrival or merely an, a reality. And it's a fact that Peter will build on later in this same letter. If you have 1 Peter open with me, look at 
chapter 2, verse 2. He says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if you have indeed tasted that the Lord is good. See, here's the logic. One who is born again will eat and drink and grow and constantly mature and eventually arrive at salvation, at the fullness of salvation. In other words, this spiritual growing that Peter calls the church to, it's, it's not an optional thing. It's not just for some Christians. It's not just for guys who want to go into full-time ministry. It's for the church to take hold of what we've been given. And that verse we just read gives us the motivation, the, the catalyst for it all, the taste of the Lord's goodness. We, we see the Lord. We, we sing of Him. We, we learn of Him. We remember the mercies. We recognize the promises. And all of that spurs us to press further in. I've got to know this God. I've got to be like this God. It's the most important pursuit I can be about. And if you read 1 Peter and 2 Peter, this is such a significant part of Peter's message. And, and he's writing to the church. He's writing to a suffering church. If you flip over to 2 Peter chapter 1, same kind of thing. 2 Peter 1 verses 3, His divine power, again a familiar verse, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now, Peter is not saying that we will be God, but as these promises shape us, as we grow and mature and feed on the Word, we become increasingly like Him. And so, the, the, these, these two passages, Joshua 18, and really all of Peter, they follow the same logic. And let me read one commentator's sentence about this connection. God doesn't want us to swallow His promises, but to seize them. They're not intended as sedatives, but as stimulants. And so take hold of what you've been given. Now, how, how, do, we, how do we take hold of that? How do we take hold of what we've been given? How do we take hold of the promises of God? Well, we we press in. We press in to the means of grace, to the Word, to the sacraments, to our life together. We press in to one another. And this is not about church programs, folks. This is about becoming disciples of Jesus. Growing as disciples of Jesus that we in turn might make disciples of Jesus. 2 Peter 3 verse 18, 
grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. We've been given faith. We've been given eyes to see the depth of our sin. We've been given this God-given ability to trust Him for forgiveness. And now we have His promises, every promise of His Word. And now we are called to make every effort to walk in those promises, to take hold of what we've been given. That's what we read again, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. For this very reason, in other words, all in light of all that's been stated before, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue with, and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing. My mom at her house up in Linden, she has a giant uh, a board, like a one by six that she's painted as a ruler. And you, some of you probably have these in our home. We haven't lived in our home long enough to have one of these things. But every time my kids go for a visit, she makes them stand up against this ruler and she marks how much they've grown. And they love seeing it. They love gloating. Maybe that's not a, a good thing to do, but they love gloating about how much they've grown. We're supposed to be able to do the same spiritually, not the gloating part, but the measurable part. Peter even gives the church here in this letter these seven specific areas. They're not unlike a lot of New Testament lists of, of character qualities, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, and then finally the climax of it all, a life of love. And notice that these things that, that, that Peter lists, these aren't grown exclusively or developed or displayed in isolation. These are things that are seen, that, that come out, that I would argue are developed in community. I mean, isn't that what the early church was about? They, they weren't about podcasts Exclusive. I'm not knocking podcasts, but they weren't all about spiritual growth by way of podcasts and nothing else. They were about getting together around the apostles' teaching, about breaking bread and fellowship. And when you think fellowship, don't think potluck. Think genuine sharpening of one another. Genuine knowing of one another. And so God's Word calls us to take hold of what we've been given, to make every effort to add to our faith these things. And so, questions. I've asked these questions before, maybe at the start of a new year, like a new calendar year, maybe at the start of one of our past years of study and, and discipleship hour, but am I growing in my faith and character? Do I look differently than I did two years ago or even last year? Am I putting on these things in increasing measure? Have I deepened my understanding of the Lord 
and his word. You see, the scriptures are clear that through the work of the church, as the Holy Spirit works through, through the Word that is taught, the Word that's preached, the visible signs that are seen and participated in as the community of faith, as the members of the body, you, brothers and sisters, as you encourage and rebuke one another, God is building us. God is growing us. God is making us who we are called to be. And yet, some of us are content to be ho-hum. We're content to put our energy, our effort, our time elsewhere and to be engaged more diligently in other things. We want to help you be diligent. We want to help not just by telling you, not just by giving you a pathway excuse me, not just by telling you, but by giving you a pathway by which we can walk together with Christ. See, it's no coincidence that that I would preach a sermon like this on, on growth, on spiritual growth this morning. Because next week begins an opportunity to add to the grace of worship. And I'm not minimizing this time of worship and this proclamation of His Word, but we have the blessing of adding to that learning and being challenged together. And in God's providence, this, this fall's study is for those who, who stumble, those who, who struggle in growing in the Christian life. As we close, when this kind of growth takes place, the Lord gives so many benefits that flow from it. Not just we become who we are, but they're all here in 2 Peter chapter 1. We read in verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. So fruitfulness, it's one of the added groups graces of taking hold of what you've been given, of growing. Fruitfulness, assurance, verse 10, tells us that the work, the diligence will make our calling and election sure. Similar to the tests that that John gives in 1 John, the striving and progress that we make by God's grace in these areas proves that we have a faith that is alive not one that is dead. And then finally, verse 11, entrance. Fruitfulness, assurance, and entrance. Entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. An end that does not result in condemnation and separation from God, but one that results in a richly provided entrance into eternal kingdom. I hope you want those things because I want those things. I want to take hold of what I've been given, of the promises that are ours. Remember the the cold stone card? Well, it's been used. The movie passes, I gave those to my son. They're, 
They're already partly used and they'll be used soon. And the Taproot Theater, it is, that, that play is coming soon. I've already looked to see which play Anne and I want to go to. You see, I don't want to leave any longer in a drawer that which was given for my joy and for my good. And so as we start this new school year, as the Lord gives you opportunity, and I know that schedules are unique and provide their own challenges, this is between you and the Lord, but let's be a community that by His grace presses in to one another and to all the things that remind us of the promises that are ours to the glory of Christ and for the good of His kingdom. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for the great and precious promises which we as a church have the privilege, have the opportunity to to mine and um, to uncover. And we do so not just in isolation, not just in our cars on the way to work, though we want to do that, we want to be about that, but we do that as we hear from one another, as we press into one another, as we commune and gather and fellowship around your word and around your teaching. And so, Lord, give us opportunity, give us motivation to be about seizing all that is ours as you prepare us, as you make your bride blameless for that day of your return, a day which we long for, a day that we pray for. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. This we pray in that great name. Amen.